Content warning. This episode contains intense sound design and vomit. Ikrinth and I do not speak much as we continue our journey. I try to talk to them once or twice and get a one-word answer here and there. Should we get some food? Yeah. Would you like some rest? No. The whole journey takes maybe three or four days. All done essentially in silence. That being an extremely rough estimate. Not only do days not really pass here with no sun, there is no day-night cycle, but time in general passes in strange ways. I don't know, when we eventually leave this place, how much time would have passed. Days, months, weeks, years, even longer perhaps. It's not something I wanted to burden Ikrith with alongside the other reasons they might be feeling existential dread. With how they look at me now, I feel it would only worsen their attitude to me. I don't know if this new sour mood is because of how I reacted to them hearing me voice my feelings, or how I disposed of that corrupted angel. Either way, it hurts. Eventually, we near the center. The light begins to get less strong as we approach the edge of Eden, the end of this place. The rivers flow into the void between the center and the outside. The endless rivers of Eden meet at this point and intermingle in this area beneath the center. Nothing seems to grow besides lichen, moss, and short grass. A pale sand smothers the white stone which forms the structure of the edge. Peering down over it at the rim of this place, I see huge faces carved out of the stone itself. Large trees and vines snake around their features like scars. These faces are nigh featureless, with soft, undetermined parts of their face that don't seem to suggest a particular species. Humanoid, definitely. I wonder if I were a Vince or a Trahadal, I would be seeing the same humanoid image. Above anything, they seem... kind. They appear to be looking up with expressions of pure ecstasy, as if they were venerating the centre. Last time I was here at the edge, when I last ventured into the temple, it looked nothing like this. The centre was almost touching the edge, and all we had to do was make a small leap across. However, now the gap seems almost insurmountable. Eden's heart shifts and folds in on itself. The whole base of this floating island moves and reforms like a tumultuous ocean. This turmoil decreases closer to the actual temple, the top of which, a gleaming spire we can only see from this angle, as if it hides itself from my vision as if it closes itself off from me, expecting a repeat of last time. I turn to see that from the jungle there are hundreds of large, person-sized green flames in amongst the foliage. Slowly these begin to merge with one another, one by one, until there is one huge, pale green fireball hovering there above the wet soil of the jungle. The leaves and the wood around it begin to catch, carving a place amongst the trees. It slowly advances towards us. Oh, for Fuck's sake, what now? Ikrinth draws their sword. Another fight then. The very centre of the flame begins to get more intensely hot. This white centre begins to take a new form. It stretches out and shapes itself into the silhouette of a long, six-limbed creature. The tail sprouts out, and a pair of curved horns extend from the head which develops a snout. This silhouette finally manifests in the form of a six-legged dragon wings of huge flame which illuminate the evening with vibrant green light. It is covered in an array of bone-white scales which shiver, moving in complex patterns across its entire form, which is long and slender, but clearly extremely powerful. Get back. 
says in a voice I immediately recognize. Deus 12, the human's co-progenitor, not in a physical form I have seen before. This is new, I say. It's very intimidating. What is the intention? I always find it very hard to read you. Comprehension. Deus looks up at the temple in Eden and the scales rattle down his body starting at his head. His eight eyes burst into blue flame and a ninth huge eye opens in his forehead, which then also roars with a similar intensity. Yes, into the temple. I am here to stop Evicta Dar. Then why are you here? Can you get us across? But I, I can't leave them here alone. Not in Eden. Why can they not come with me? Which is exactly why they need to come with me. The dragon lowers its head and brings a huge flaming eye at the center of its forehead directly in front of me. A pupil the size of my whole head. Oh, for fuck's sake, I just... You always know just how to ruin my day, you know that? Yeah, I'm sure. Ikrinth, I have not forgotten my promise. We will leave Eden together. I get it. This is the whole universe. I'm just one mortal. No, I... I don't want to have to make that choice. I hate that this is the ultimatum being presented. I'm... trying, Ikrinth. I want to be part of the continent. I really do. I... I will come back for you, I swear. How can you know? I don't know. I just know that I will. But when will you come back? I don't have the answers, I'm sorry. But when? Please, just one more minute. You've already cursed me with eternity. Just one more fucking minute. Adam, I need an answer. I don't know. I'm sorry, but I don't have any answers. But I know I have to do this. Everything has been leading to this. All the guilt and turmoil can end here and now. The hundreds of thousands of years of shame and misery and crushing regret have come to a point here and I can actually do something about it now. You're gonna leave anyway, whether you believe you can make it back or not. I will come back. I turn back to Gates 12. Well, come on. What, do I hop on your back and we fly there together? He lowers his head again, and the blue flame that covers his ninth eye comes out to meet me. I sheepishly put out my hand, and the flame travels up my arm. The blue inferno slowly engulfs my entire body. It doesn't burn, but instead I feel a strange ache and a sense of weightlessness. My body begins to feel lighter and lighter, until it feels like I have no form at all. I look at my hands and see that I have been totally transformed into the white, hot part of a flame. I can't imagine what it looks like from the outside. Deus turns to face the temple and with a roar spits me across the void. I feel myself soar through the air. Made of flame, I land on the edge and slowly the fire begins to die out and I am returned to my usual form. I turn back to the edge to see Deus burst into a brilliant blue green fire. In that explosion, I see Ikrinth illuminated. A large shadow casts behind them. And then the light dies out. Deus disappears, 
and so too does my view of Ikrin. I will come back for them. temple at the center of Eden, where it all begins, where it all began. The dark, thin, crystalline walls slice up out of the ground, forming an exponential curve which leads into a spire. Huge spikes of this black glass, which are lined and accented with flawless white stones, stab out in all directions from the core, forming a type of great stellated dodecahedron. A large but thin ring of light hovers behind the middle of the central spire, which refracts the light of this halo, casting rays of light across the ground around me in terrifying polychrome. The halo splits suddenly into many segments. They dance around each other, colliding and spinning around. Each segment hovers above a different black glass spire on the temple, filling the area around me with color and light. The world feels so small suddenly. For all intents and purposes, this is all that there is. I forget about everything other than what I need to do. Avignadal is here. I must stop him. I don't know for how long I pace the halls of the temple. I see many strange things, many sights. I'm struck with a terrible sensation. It brings me back to when I was in that destroyed village on the planet of the Rolder. It isn't quiet. Nowhere is ever quiet, but there is a tension in the air to suggest that this place was alive once, loud and bustling. I don't know if this is because of what I did alongside my companions, because of the presence of Avignadal. I don't suppose it matters, really. I cross a bridge which passes through a huge cavern filled with water. A tunnel cuts through, made by no barrier or walls, but simply because it must be. This path feels laid out. There is no question of what direction to go, no uncertainty of my destination. Huge, murky shapes move about in the depths. Flashes of light spark in and out of existence, briefly illuminating the forms of these things. I dare not look, but the temptation burns at my chest. From a high vantage point, I see High up across the other side of a huge drop into the depths of this vast temple, a bright, glinting shrine, a place forever cast in the distance, unattainable to even the most skillful, the most mighty, the most guileful. For every step taken to reach the shrine is also a step back. I peer down into a vast valley below, strewn with the skeletal remains of numberless creatures and people. Their offerings glint in the cross light refracted through the crystalline walls of the temple in perpetual twilight. Shades of beings and creatures push past me to enter the valley, each armed with ghosts of their own offerings or spells to obtain entry to the shrine. They brush past me again and again, moving forward and backwards at the same time, the movement and rhythm of a dance macabre. I don't attempt to reach the shrine and instead pass through by skirting along the edge. 
Later on, there is a small room with balconies on either side. A tree grows to the left and right of me, each an equal distance from the center. The trees are identical, each branch and twig and peeling piece of bark exactly the same. A lizard scuttles down from a high up branch on each tree. They follow the same path and place each claw on the exact same place on their tree. A six-legged creature glides across from either side of the room. It has tall, straight antlers which point proudly like spears out the back of its head and stretch behind it. It paces towards the tree and brings itself up onto four legs. It picks up the lizard with its front appendages and tears it down the middle. It places one half of the lizard up in the tree and brings the other half to the end of the room. Both creatures bury the remains in the ground and then glide back to the far side of the room. They stare at me as I pass through. Their bodies divide slowly. Four eyes slowly begin to split into eight. Six legs become twelve, one body becoming two. The place where the lizard half that was buried begins to sprout into a sapling. Slowly, oh so slowly. I look up at the ceiling and see a thousand slimy things wriggling, a myriad of eyes darting back and forth, attempting to see all at once, thin, viscous lips parted to reveal broad, perverted smiles. They pay me little attention, and all seem intent on savouring every moment of this room. I finally pass through an open entrance into a huge hall. Statues of the gods stand tall and fill the area. Rows and rows of glass and stone balconies rise higher and higher. I see the form of Epicurosa. Her eight arms spread wide, her uncovered face facing upwards, away from me. I see the draconic form of Deus Twelve on a lower level, head also raised up in deference. I see some I recognize. Holden Hart, the Queen of Blood, Desenethis, Vimo Ekerud, the rest I do not know. Such a wide array of strange forms, all in positions of exaltation, praising upward. At the end of this hall, there is a huge stone diamond shape which lays flat against the wall. I approach and put up my hand to touch it. The golden shimmer on my skin is now so very noticeable. I touch the stone and a white line appears. It bisects down the middle. The light widens until it fills the whole shape. I approach and pass through into the core. Inside, I see no walls, ceiling, or roof. I am instead surrounded by a swirling chaos of sound and light and sensation. At the center is a sphere of nothing. It shimmers shadow like sunlight reflected off water. The total chaos of the world sits here in one place. The flashing colors press into my eyes. It strains my vision, and I clench my eyelids shut. And just before I do, I see him. The Sea of Ignadar. And even though my eyes are shut, his image has left an imprint into my vision. He does not have the same form that he did before in the shared realm of Night Upon Serenity's mind. He is taller and more broad. He stands with long arms almost all the way down to his ankles. In his chest, his ribs protrude to form his symbol. His eyeless head, long and broad like a cow, smiles. 
the entire thing opens up to where the eyes would usually be to display a row of thousands of small, thin teeth. And so, we find ourselves placed at the board of the savannah. She's just beyond. Her presence is apparent. A total unbridled potentiality. You may immerse yourself. I can make this the state of the universe for all. Shall we make our ingress as one? Oh, you poor, indigent creature. You know not what potential you have had wrested from you. Your base attempts trouble me. What is it you expect to achieve from impairing my form? I pull myself into matter only to interact with matter. Do you believe that this action will heed me? Shut up! I don't fucking care. I don't care. Just die. Please, just fucking die. You cannot stop me. You should not intend to stop me. You cannot prescribe anything to me. I am undeniable. I cannot be hogged. You know, I met someone recently who had that same attitude about themselves. Didn't end well for them. You are weak, all of you. Your forms can withstand so very little. You are enchained that you cannot perceive, held down by death and laws beyond your full comprehension. You poor, poor blind things. Born into an evil and cruel universe. Born to die. You act as if you're different. You're just like everyone who wants things to go back to what they know. You are bound by your own desire to halt change. But this is beyond change. This is about freedom. I'm trying to free you all. Why won't you let me? I will close off the border to the savannah. I will keep her from ever controlling this garden. I will let it grow wild and free. I am suddenly struck with some kind of inspiration, some idea. It feels as if I have had it explained to me. Some presence has, in a flash, told me exactly what it is I need to do. And I approach him calmly. If time existed here, it would have stopped. I pierce a Vignadar with my horns. I push them in, slowly, inch by inch, into his neck and chest. No. You are... I am here to end you. I push even further into him, moving him closer to the void. With a final push, a Vignadal is sent into the shimmering darkness, and he tumbles into it, pulling me in with him. The child returns. 
From the horizon, he marches through the savanna. He's bloodied and injured. His heart aches, and he limps onward. On his breast, there is an insect whose stinger is lodged in his flesh. The woman watches him in return. She calls out his name and asks how his wandering goes. I sailed and marched and rode across the land of your creations. I have witnessed the results of your game. The woman asks why he refers to the way of things as a mere game. She reminds him it is all he has ever known, that even in an attempt at defiance, he participates. I could not help but create. You have twisted them into a position, but it is all they know. You are cruel. The woman again reminds him that he had his chance at true freedom, and that it was time Speak to... Speak to me. For once, join me on my level. Do not tell me by making the universe in a state where your answers are known to me. Do not write your reply in quarks and gluons, but instead, allow me to interpret. I need not point out the hypocrisy, the woman says. I will try, but the nature of this place, and indeed of myself, means that it is not the natural way of things. And yet you are here to stop me. The child hacks up some blood. It splatters on the savannah's dirt, and from where it lands, flowers begin to curl and grow in chaotic spirals. Do you see? To create, that is my intent for all things. The woman looks at the insect lodged in the child's breast. I see you brought my avatar. He learned of me, looked upon my face directly, and destroyed a part of me. He knows me, and you. He knows the savannah, the meaning behind the universe. Even if he cannot comprehend it, he has done well. You intended for it to end me? To end your intention. If that is all you are, then yes. I suppose it would end you also. Did you think you could tread in my garden, tear up the flowers, and destroy the works of the next generation, and face no consequences? Emerged from a font of light. Wrapped in a cloak of matter, the cloak began to disintegrate, sloughing off his dead skin, leaving me naked to the world as I travelled. My estimations of how it is to be thrown off by the antithetical nature of this place. I searched for refuge in my cousins, but I found them to be harsh and fearful aggressively territorial of their forms, their minds. I searched desperately for you. I called out your name. I screamed it. I liberated as many as I could as I did so, but you have made them so frail. He falters for a moment. He sees his brothers and sisters behind the woman. And you... You happily watch your cousin struggle in the garden. You are happy to sit idle while they experience death and suffering that you will never know. His siblings say nothing, 
and merely rest their passive gazes upon him. <laughs> and so now, now you return to cut off Indeed. But it seems you have allowed this insect to stop me. Ovik Nadal falls to the ground. More blood drips from his wound, and he struggles to keep himself from death. I am sorry, my child. Eden kneels down in front of him and lays him to rest, preparing his body to be laid into the ground to then feed more creation. So, this is what it is to end. <laughs> you are my kin, child. You, you will, not will not cease. But you, but you have, have become your intent. intent. And, and so, so here, your intent must be stay. Mine and your, your creation to live on and out there, themselves devising and, and constructing, and so on and so on and so on. All I wanted was for them to be free. <laughs> it is not their place to have freedom as you knew it. They could not handle it. Please. The child of Ignadal raises his hand to the woman, Eden's face, half an attempt to harm her as he faces his bitter end, half out of love for his creator. And then, with that final moment, Ovid Nadala stopped. The woman plucks the beetle from the breast of her child and holds it in her palm. She brings it close to her face and stares intently at it. She marvels at how well it has done. The beetle tries in vain to talk to her as wings flutter and he shifts his head back and forth. His legs twitch and wriggle, but to no avail. She understands his intent, though. She apologizes that he does not possess the capabilities to speak to her. She empathizes how difficult it must be to be understood, but not be able to communicate. She tells him that they have met before, that he had companions once, and that she met them too that she chose him, gave him the power to resist the child, her child, to act as her avatar and to render him powerless, that he has done well. One of the children, the daughter, stands and goes over to the woman. She goes to touch the beetle, but the woman puts her hand away and scolds her telling her she lacks the subtlety of touch to handle him without causing harm. The beetle crawls around her arm and she moves her hand to give him more space. He wants desperately to look upon her face again, but knows better. She places him on the dirt again and he scuttles around, leaving small trails and patterns in the dirt. She sends him away. He returns and shakes his elytra, but she sends him away he protests once more, but she places him on a breeze. As he is carried out of the savannah on that wind, she watches him go, and she watches him go. She turns to the horizon and sees the silhouettes of her people far in the distance. 
They are closer than they were yesterday and the day before. They still travel in the shadow of that great beast. She misses them. But she is different now. She wonders if she can even call them her people anymore. She hopes that when they finally come to her, they still look upon her kindly and will extend that kindness to her garden. Perhaps some will join her when they finally arrive. up, roll over, and throw up what little food I had in my stomach. My eyes are hazy and unfocused, and my entire body aches. As the last strands of bile fall from my lips, my mind races. Oh, fuck it, Chris. No, 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 no. I'm sorry. I'm so fucking sorry. Fuck. Fuck, it's all I can't, I can't do this anymore. I sit for a moment on my knees. I'm where I was before entering Eden. Now the forest has recovered, and behind me is a large black stone monolith. On it is engraved a short piece of text, written in Winonian, then translated into Viatorian standard alongside it. Encased in this stone structure are the remains of the god Aratho, destroyed by powers beyond our control and comprehension. Let this shrine serve in his memory, and in the memory of those also lost on that day. It finishes with an old affirmation, one I know well from my time spent around Viatorians. Am yek obol yek. In truth and with truth. I scan the names. I don't see Lanralis's, thankfully. But there at the end, Ikrinth Meritexis Janathek. I never knew their full name. I don't suppose there was ever really a point where I could have asked. Maybe I should have asked anyway. A figure stands behind me and says something. Out I shake myself out of my stupor and look to see a familiar face. She's wearing her civilian clothes, no longer trying to play it off as an Adralite, but it's definitely her. Lanralis. Are they? She looks around, dismay beginning to creep onto her face. They're alive, I, I think. I said I would bring them back with me, Lanradis. I swore I... She brings me to my feet and pulls me into an embrace. It's okay, my friend. It's not, though. They're still there. They're all alone. I, I have to get them back. I, I have to figure out a way to okay, bring them back. Okay, okay. Slow down. You need to get your bearings. A lot has happened, and there's a few things you need to know about first. How much time has passed? It's been two years, almost to the day. I missed the memorial by a few weeks. Fuck, I... What have I missed? There's a group, the Anthronesians. They're... Things are getting bad. Come with me, we'll get you debriefed. She begins to lead me away, but I pull my arm from her. I'm not going back to the council. I'm sorry, Lanronis, but... I can't go back. I begin to walk away headed in the direction of the nearest land to orbit Shuttleport. I am tired and achy, but I am determined. She calls out to me. Where are you going? I stop and turn back. I'm going to get Ikrith back, Lanralis. How? Do you have any idea where to even start? I don't know. I turn around and keep walking. I don't know. But I will. I will. You should remember that you were born to die.
Ikrit was played by Briar Zachary. Deus 12 was played by Stefan Lewis. Avig Nadal was played by Glyn Pritchard. Eden, the woman, was played by Amelia Kinch. And Lanrales was played by Kayla Valderas. Sound design, score, writing, and Adam Delta 5 by Kai Gwilym Pritchard. Massive thanks to Document Records for the use of You Was Born to Die by Curly Weaver. A huge thanks to everyone who's listened up to this point. I hope you've enjoyed it. Massive thanks to those that were there early on and have been a massive help in creating this show. I couldn't have done it without the support of Faustian Nonsense, my parents, David Charles, all my mates, and of course, you, dear listener. I'll see you next time for season two. Email us at chainofbeingofficial at gmail.com. Follow the podcast on Twitter at chainofbeing. We are, of course, as always, a proud member of the Faustian Nonsense Network. I'm home at Thanks for listening. Faithful of brown. I know about that, baby. You've been running around. You You made made me love you. And you you made made me cry. You should remember that you were born to die. Now look, dear woman. Give me your right hand. I go to my woman. You go to your man. You made me love